This is a Healthier Michigan podcast, episode 26. Coming up, we discuss the mental health well-being of caregivers and ways we all can care for ourselves. Welcome to a Healthier Michigan podcast, the podcast dedicated to navigating how we can all improve our health and well-being through small, healthy habits. And guess what? We can start them today. I'm your host, Chuck Gatica. Every week, every other week, rather, we'll sit down with certified health experts from Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan and do a dive into all kinds of topics, nutrition, fitness, today caregiving, and their mental health. On this episode, that's what we're going to talk about. And we've got two experts with us. Uh, We've got Dr. Ray Hobbs, who's here. He's a physician consultant at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, a graduate of U of M Med School, board certified in internal medicine, geriatric medicine, and palliative care. Uh, I want to come back to something in a minute but he's got a fourth degree black belt in jujitsu happens to play piano these are both things i'd love to do dr hobbs i'm coming back barbara steer is here she's with the area agency on aging 1b we have to throw the letters in right but you know what's good about this is that you've got such experience you co-facilitated powerful tools for caregivers so you're going to have a different level of experience than i have and what's been going on in my family so we're glad you're both here and barbara has helped along the way with people focused uh, initiatives as a physician assistant, social worker, and she's a baker as well. So she's got her things that she does. How about jujitsu? No, no, <laughs> Doctor Hobbs. So tell me, a black belt in jujitsu. This wasn't when you were a kid. This is in recent life. I turned sixty-six this year, and uh, about ten years ago, I decided I needed to get back into shape. The yeah. only sport that I ever really enjoyed was the martial arts. So I started jujitsu when I was fifty-five. Wow. And you're still, and you just got your fourth degree? Yeah, I got my fourth degree in September. So, Barbara, I don't want to say it, but I'm not going to look right at Dr. Hobbs. Let's be nice. Be nice to <laughs> right, the man right. who's sitting to my left. All right. Good to have you both here. Nice this, to be here. This is a topic that's very dear to me because I've been dealing with the aging of my parents. And we hear this a lot. As a baby boomer, you hear a phrase that's been bantied around the sandwich generation. Sometimes your kids go off. If you have kids and they bounce back, they start living in the basement or they're having issues within their own lives. Mm -hmm. And then your parents are aging and you feel like you're sandwiched in. So while that's an easy visual, it doesn't always work that way in all families. So much about caregiving that we sometimes don't think about, especially up front, is this idea that you have your own mental health issues to deal with as you're struggling to deal with the care for somebody else. So Dr. Hobbs, let me start with you. What what are you seeing in your consultation now, but even in your practice that helps folks like me and others listening today, this idea of being a caregiver? Because sometimes it's tough stuff. Well, I think the first thing to realize about being a caregiver is if you just look at the demographics of aging, you find out that the fastest growing subsegment of the population right now is the number of people over the age of 85. Mm-hmm which means that when you really think about it, many of us are going to wind up being caregivers and eventually we're going to be cared for too. So it's a very Mm. important topic and it's complex. It affects you emotionally, can be very, very stressful. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's one of those things where like when it occurs slowly, you don't even realize the level of stress that's going on. So that's why it's important to think about these things and to, uh, to address it the way that we're going to today. Right. And Barbara, you see this. I mentioned mental health, but the stressors that we can have as caregivers can initiate physical symptoms as well. Right, right. In the Powerful Tools for Caregivers class, we talk about, you know, what are your symptoms of stress if you have stress? Mm-hmm. And it can be mental, racing thoughts, crying, 
emotional, trouble sleeping, tense. So mm-hmm. it's the gamut, physical, emotional, mental. And I, I'm sorry, but you know, the caregiving component, it may be that you're physically lifting somebody. Mm-hmm. It's not just the debilitation of the person you're watching who could be disappearing right before your eyes. Right. Right? So it's, you're really getting involved with sometimes all of your being. Right. Yeah. And then the physical aspects of stress that can occur, migraines, back pains, all kinds of things like that. I mean, stomach upset, right. anxiety, all the things that go along with stress. I mean, that can affect the caregiver. So how important is it that we understand, whether it's dementia, Parkinson's, it's someone who is debilitated, maybe for a lengthy period of time, but there's now demise. It could be a quick thing. How important is it that we understand what the person is dealing with who we are now a caregiver to? Well, Mm -hmm. it's really important for a variety of reasons. For one thing, whatever the disease is, Mm -hmm. if you're going to be caring for this person, you need to know about the drugs that they're taking Mm -hmm. so you can give them Mm -hmm. the right way make certain they're taking them. You need to know about what the course of this disease is. And a great example is Alzheimer's disease. So let me, yeah. Or dementia, we'll say. Alzheimer's is one specific type of dementia, the most common type that we, we face, though. You can have a patient with Alzheimer's disease that's very early on and are very functional. And then over the course of the next 10 years, but it could go up to like, you know, up to 20 years, you're going to see the gradual demise of that patient, mm-hmm. you know, with loss of memory, functioning and sure. and things like that, that can be very hard to deal with. And many people, when they have a loved one who's ill, it's like they're entering like a black box. They don't know what's going to happen, what's going to go on. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important for them to know what happens with the disease. And if there's a number of siblings involved, for instance, as caregivers, it's important for everyone to be on the same page because it makes it mm-hmm. easier for them. Because there can be so much stress when you don't know what's going to happen and what's going to go on. You need to know what the medicines are, what they're being given for. You need to know what can happen in the future, the things that you might be able to do. Like as an example, again, with Alzheimer's disease, one of the problems with Alzheimer's disease is loss of short-term memory. Long-term memory persists for a very long time. Short-term memory goes very quickly. Mm. So they can tell you what exactly what they did in 1952, but they can't tell you what they had for breakfast today. Or sometimes know who you are. Yeah. Talk about tough. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Barbara, in these powerful tools, mm-hmm. is one of the ways we are empowered is by and through information? That, Definitely. Because we can reach out to different organizations. In my family's life, we've dealt with in recent time, recent years, aging parents and, and for one side of this, it has been a dementia, Alzheimer's issue, but there's the Alzheimer's Association and they have their own counselors. And then mm-hmm. we have your agency, which is nationwide. We should point right. out it's not right. just here in Southeast Michigan. So is that part of it, just being informed? Definitely. I mean, Dr. Hobbs pointed out the importance of knowing about your care receiver's illness, mm. Alzheimer's and dementia, really good template for a chronic disease. It's different from acute. There's not going to be a cure. There is a new normal with a chronic disease. Yeah. And we've had people in our groups, often it's because of dementia, but it's other times severe disability from arthritis, bipolar illness, people with strokes, people with serious consequences of diabetes, Parkinson's disease, many, many illnesses. And the more you can know about that illness, it helps you know what to expect. So I've heard a phrase that I've used, and I know I've bantied around with my own family because there are siblings, so we have dynamics I'm relating to in my own family, that when you become a caregiver, oftentimes you have to consider 
the analogy of being on an aircraft. If there's an emergency and the oxygen masks drop from above, put yours on first before you try to save the person next to you. Because if you're going under and you're not breathing, there's no way you're going to help a child who has no idea what to do. And while that can sound harsh, I wonder how important it is for us as caregivers to consider we do have a responsibility for self-care right? To ourselves, to whatever extent that is. It doesn't mean you have to put the mask on first, but... Absolutely, but there's another part of it too, which, because I've, I've had this kind of conversation with a lot of caregivers, yeah. because, you know, they're empathic, they're loving, they're kind, they're mm-hmm. taking care of their mm-hmm. mother, their father, they would do anything for them. And then sometimes they don't take care of themselves, and right. I have to tell them, well, if you're not taking care of yourself, and something happens to you, and you're no longer here, who's going to take care of your loved one? Right. You have to take care mm-hmm. of yourself. And then you can take care of them. But that's tough stuff sometimes because the the choices you're trying to make involve the person you love and you want to care for. And you're thinking, well, I'll eat later. You know, I Mm -hmm. don't worry. I'll just stay here later than I thought I would. It's hard for some to create the boundaries that allow them to go home and take care of a husband or a wife and children and business Mm -hmm. and go to work, right? Well, right. People pour themselves lovingly into caregiving. Mm. And then you think, oh, I couldn't be feeling angry. I'm not tired. I'm not hungry. I can't take time for myself. How can I go out with friends when my husband can't enjoy Mm -hmm. a good meal Mm -hmm. anymore? And people have these feelings, and they end up getting isolated, and that just makes things worse. A lot of feelings come up because of the stresses of caregiving. I've seen caregivers also run into this issue where their entire identity has shifted to being Mm -hmm. the caregiver, even though there may be others. Mm -hmm. And then when that person either moves to a new stage or is debilitated or sadly passes away, your identity is still wrapped up in being the caregiver and you're not caring for that person. Yeah, yeah. So how do we recognize the stress that may be imposed on us as caregivers, Doc? That's a good question. Um, The first thing is, like I mentioned earlier, it can develop slowly. Mm. And I think it's important, and you use the word boundaries, and that's really important because it's important for us to set boundaries in terms of our behavior in the sense that we need to carve out some time Mm -hmm. for ourselves so that we can prevent these things from happening. Because when we don't do that and we become so focused and we become the caregiver, and I use that in the sense that you're, you're like nothing else, that's your big job in life. When that happens, at some point, you don't become that effective as a caregiver because you've lost a lot of who you are. So you need to do things to maintain who you are as an individual. And that's why these things become so important when you set time mm-hmm. aside for yourself mm-hmm. and you set aside uh, time for breaks. And you also set things up so that you're not the only caregiver because you know maybe you could get someone else to come in to help for four hours on a Saturday or something. Sure. So you could sure. do something else. So those are things that you go, well, wait a minute. You know, mom or dad's got this horrible disease, you know, and I'm going to take these four hours off. Well, yeah, you have to do stuff like that for yourself because if you don't like that, you start losing things. And when you talk about stress, it also leads into to burnout, which is something that we mm-hmm. run into a lot of times with the helping professions, doctors, nurses, counselors. Mm-hmm. But you run into it with caregivers a lot mm-hmm. and it looks an awful lot like depression. It can be tied in with that. So what happens is, you have problems with, you can have somatic or, or bodily problems like 
headache, muscle aches, muscle tension, things like that. Binge eating or not or not right, eating, or right? Not, I mean, right. it can lead to things. Oh, yeah. yeah. With depression, you can do one or the other. You know, some people overeat and other people hardly eat and they lose a lot yeah, of I'm weight. I'm an Oreo cookie guy. If life is too stressful, you can find me there. <laughs> <laughs> Sleeping, you know, you get mm. depressed. Some people sleep all the time. Some people have insomnia. Mm-hmm. It's opposite poles wow. with the same problem. There's a medical word, anhedonia, which means loss of pleasure. All of a sudden, things that you do like very much don't bring you pleasure anymore. It's like the world, instead of being in color, is now kind of gray, mm-hmm. black and white mm-hmm. and gray. Is that depression or that's still something completely no, different? That that's depression. But, you know, depression and burnout, you know, are related. Mm. They tend to look a lot alike, except you can, you can look at caregiver burnout and say, well, the reason that this is going on is because of all the stress that's going on with this particular loved one. Depression can occur for a whole a lot of reasons. And sometimes it doesn't even need a reason. It could be like a biochemical thing. Mm. But the problems, though, are very similar, and they look alike, and they behave a lot in many ways. And then as it progresses, you get yourself into a situation where your world becomes more narrowed. Like I said earlier, it's like you lose a lot of the things that brought you joy. They're not doing that now, and you're not doing it. You're getting isolated. You're getting more stressed out. Eventually, you can feel, start feeling hopeless. And then when things are getting like that, you got to ask yourself, and it's easy to do this when you're stepping back from it, you know, like I am right now just talking about it. But like when you're the individual and the caregiver, you know, you're in the midst of it Mm -hmm. and you might not even be aware of what's going on. And family and friends mean well that almost they want to say to you as a caregiver, snap out of it. Go find some joy. Go for a walk. You'll find, I didn't really think of this being a clinical thing, that there, there could be a reason why like that Claritin commercial, you know, where they peel the gray layer off and oh, everything right. comes out into color, that you could get stuck in this world where everything just looks a little gray, you know, because you've just gone so deep into this caregiving. Right, and you've stripped a bunch of things away yeah. from you because yeah. like things that you would normally do, well, you don't have time to do that. Right. You know, you normally go see your friends on a for dinner on Wednesday night. Well, you're not doing that anymore, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. You like watching the football games. Well, you can't, you're not doing that now either. Yeah. You don't do this either. And all of a sudden, it's like, you know, things are kind of constricting on you. So, Barbara, mm-hmm. the powerful tools for yeah. caregivers. I'm picturing my red metal old toolbox exactly. in the garage, right? Toolbox. And when I open that up, what tools am I looking for in there to help us with all that we've been talking about? Right. Because goodness knows some of us need some help there. Well, I mean, caregiving is the example of it takes a village, and it mm-hmm. really does. Mm-hmm. And the topics we talk about, we start with taking care of yourself, identifying stress, what are the symptoms, your symptoms of Mm -hmm, stress, mm -hmm. communication. If you don't feel like you can or don't know how to assertively express what help you need, it may not come to you, and then it feeds on that isolation and the development of further symptoms. We talk about communicating in challenging situations and learning from our emotions making it legitimate to have difficult feelings about caregiving and how that affects you and your loved one. And then the tools, there are so many. Just being in the group is a powerful tool. You're not isolated. Ah, here's other people who are going through the same thing as me. Because, you know, some people won't reach out for help. They won't go to a counselor. They right. Either it's pride or who knows what, right. time. But a group is helpful because there are some other people going through similar things. Right. There are six sessions. It's 90 minutes. And these are held where? Oh, they're everywhere in the state. Okay. I'm through Area Agency on Aging 1B. 
I can tell you that phone number. Well, you, go ahead. Throw it out. And we can get okay, that in show yeah, notes, it, too. It's 800-852-7795. The website is aaa1b.org. You can contact them, and they're a good clearinghouse for lots of resources. But within the program, some of the things that might be helpful to talk about now, we always do an action plan. What is something that you want to do? Not that you have to do. Not that you're going to schedule the next five appointments for your care Mm -hmm, receiver. mm -hmm. What do you want to do in this next week? And then how are you going to do it? Very specifically, do you want to get away for a half hour? Mm -hmm. Then how are you going to do that? Who are you going to call? Who are you going to pay? What's it going to cost? What's it going to take? How are you going to do it? What might get in the way? How are you going to get past that? How confident are you that you can make this happen? And these little steps towards self-care can be revitalizing. And just taking action on those steps Mm -hmm. is self-care. Yes. Because sometimes we get stuck. And you know, you raise this issue of who do you call, how much are you willing to pay, even when those answers come back. In the case of our recent experience with caring for mom and dad, we've got three different siblings. One doesn't live in this part of the state, so we're using the you know, the visiting model of two or three days a week to supplement around mm-hmm, family. Mm-hmm. Well, then you discover that there's either or could be a reliability issue. Sometimes they're not making the same amount of money you're paying the company, which means right. that they could go get a better job somewhere else. Mom and dad get used to a particular face that's not me or my brother or sister, and then that person, their car breaks down. Or they get a better job or a different offer and they move on. So the realistic nature of what's happening with caregiving in America that supplements for families gets complicated because I never knew they couldn't administer a pill to my mom and dad Mm -hmm. if I'm not there. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it's the realistic things where a family member has to give it. Oh, man. Or we have to have a nurse. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to learn. And that can be overloading. And it's a shifting condition. The situation is, is changing. You know, I think one thing that one source, one resource that's kind of well, obvious to me, is um, your physician. Mm -hmm. The physician that made the diagnosis of the loved one. Mm -hmm. Because if it's a a cancer patient, an oncologist, that's what he sees all the time. And he's going to know what resources are out there. He's going to have nurses that can help. So a lot of information is available from the healthcare provider that's taking care of the one that's being cared for. Right. Start there. They can refer you to places and they can sometimes refer you to groups where you can share your story with other people that are doing the same thing. And you know, the other thing that I Mm -hmm. came to see, and I'm sure you both see this a lot, is that especially when you have siblings or spouses that are caregivers at the same time, we are all so wired differently Mm -hmm. that I can't necessarily relate to how someone else is grieving or they're sad while I'm able to maybe get out and go for that walk to find joy. And so those dynamics start to creep in. We're not all wired the same. You know, things hit me and they flow off my back and I don't internalize. That may not be the same for another sibling. And so now you have dynamics there that don't create necessarily strife, or I guess they could, but certainly can create more stress. In one of our sessions, we talk about, you know, what are some of the feelings you have being a caregiver? Or, you know, what are some of your feelings when you're feeling sad? And then how do you, when we go around, how do you handle that? And if it's a walk, if it's meditation, whatever it is, as you said, it's different for everyone. And then maybe that's a place where you can make your action plan. Okay, I've identified, I have this feeling, 
and it's unpleasant, and here's what I'm going to do about it. I, it helps me to walk, okay? And I also want to say that to the point of depression, when people are recognizing that, you know, we tell them, if you've been feeling this kind of blue, down in the dumps, mm-hmm. anhedonia, if it's been two weeks, you go to see your medical care provider. This could mm-hmm. be depression. Mm-hmm. Don't wait mm-hmm. on this. This could be serious. Absolutely. The action plan idea, you know, so many people get in the weeds on this idea of caregiving, that action, a plan, we're being right. reactive. Some days mm-hmm. it really feels like you're putting mm-hmm. out fires. So to me, I really find such high value in this idea. How could you learn to and love baking unless you had a little bit of a plan, as much as it may have been something you just came up with yesterday or jujitsu? You know, we, we see this in our daily lives. I'm going to start something. You have to begin to start, and then you begin it, and pretty soon you wake up and you've got a black belt and then a fourth degree. And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not making light of it. I just think right. we do those things in normal life, and sometimes we forget we can make a plan to find joy. We can make a difference. I facilitate several self-management groups, and for all of them, making a plan, making a little step this week that you can do, and then you succeed at that and you build on it. There's that famous Chinese quote by Lao Tzu, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one One step. step. That's something to think about. Very powerful. As you mentioned early on, doctor, we've got this aging demographic and you cited over age, what, 85 or 85? In America right now. I don't want everybody to raise their hand. We don't need to, but I'm a baby boomer. Born between 1940, all three of us are, yep. right? Okay, so Barbara, will you take care of me, and then I'll take care of Dr. Hobbs? <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it, a, make it a promise. Okay. 74 million of us in America. This is the big bulge in the python that's rolling demographically Absolutely. through the world. And so if you just look at that demographic, and then you add a generation ahead of that. And if you go 50 plus in America, you're talking about 110 million people, a third of the population. You know, they say that Hallmark now makes a happy 100th birthday card. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And the oldest person I ever took care of was 110. And what were they doing at 100 to 110? How were they doing? Because that's hope to me. They were doing really well. And the interesting thing was, it was um, an older woman who was brought in by her daughter. Yeah. And her daughter's daughter and her daughter's daughter. It went on. It was like five generations. They were all alive. My so goodness. she's 110. So they brought her in to me and they said, Dr. Hobbs, we'd like our, lo- our mom to live to be as old as possible. What should we do? Yeah. And you know, the problem is there's like really nothing written on what, what you do with a 110 yeah, yeah. year old because nobody's ever really had a lot of 110 <laughs> yeah. year olds. So it's like a work in progress. Well, I want to encourage all of us that this isn't just about aging, because as you pointed out, it could be a stroke, it could be something else that uh, enters your life immediately. Just recap for us very quickly, Barbara, the notion of the action plan and the tools. Give us a few quick ideas of what we can take away from today's podcast. Well, so get information. Contact the Area Agency on Aging is kind of one-stop shopping, and they can Mm -hmm. identify resources for you or contact your physician, contact a website for the disease, the various condition, organizations. various yeah. organizations. Recognize that you deserve to pay attention to your own well-being, and it will help you, and it will help you help your care receiver. Connect with people. Be okay with having the difficult feelings. They're normal. They're natural. And then I really, I think these action plans are so helpful. Mm -hmm. Recognize that you can't change the situation, but maybe you can change your response to it. 
maybe can change the way you think about it and then make those little steps towards self-care that you deserve. And Dr. Hobbs, you were one of these people that people turn to as their primary go-to source for many years and still do. So as you wrap things up for us, a few fast points for us to take away. First of all, find out as much as you can about the disease in question. Learn about the drugs, the treatment, what you're going to do, why these things are being done, what side effects would be, and what the idea is, and what the course of this condition is, Mm. whatever it is, to find out so you can expect what's going to happen. And then talk to your provider about if there's any support groups that they know of, and they will. They should be able to help you out, and this is going to a very wide area, and you know, talk to your physician. They can refer you to different uh, agencies, different groups. Talk to your friends. Talk to other people that are going through the same thing so that you're not isolated. Dr. Raymond Hobbs, good to see you. Thanks for your time. Barbara Steer, good to have you with us. So much good stuff today. Uh, If you like this podcast, we've got lots of episodes for you. This one was episode 26, but we want to thank you for listening. It's called A Healthier Michigan Podcast, brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. And I mentioned there are previous podcast episodes that while they may not deal directly with the idea of caregiving, they may help you out. Maybe you are stressed. Maybe you want to figure out how to de-stress. We've got those for you as well, all locked and loaded. And if you want to check out our website, it's ahealthiermichigan.org slash podcast. You can leave us a review there or rating on iTunes or Stitcher. You can get all the podcast episodes, new and old, on your smartphone or tablet. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. If you're a caregiver, even if you're not, have a good rest of your day and just take care of yourself. I'm Chuck Gatorton.